Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. When Davis Green's alluring young cousin, Alexis, appears on his doorstep one night, he discovers that side of a family that has been kept secret from him. Against his father's wishes, Davis travels to a rural upstate New York to meet his other cousins. While wrestling with a taboo attraction to one another, he and Alexis attempt to reunite their families. Uncovering the reasons behind the long-standing rift and its shocking secret that tore their fathers apart. Together, the discoveries force them to confront the temptation to keep the familial grudge going rather than end it. The film is The Automatic Hate, and we're joined today by the film's director and writer, Justin Lerner, as well as its star, and that would, that would be Joseph Cross. Gentlemen, welcome to Film School. Thank Thanks you. For, Thanks for having us. Yeah, Thanks so much. Yeah, you're so welcome. Well, Justin, let's start at the uh, the obvious point, and that is uh, the, the story itself and um, how it came about. Yeah, so um, I wrote this film with a good friend of mine who I met at an internship while I was finishing up film school uh, at UCLA for my master's, and she was just about to start her master's at Columbia Film School. Her name is Catherine O'Brien. She's a very, very close friend and frequent collaborator, uh, filmmaker, writer, director. And uh, we started watching a lot of films together when we got off work and on the weekends, discovered we had a really um, similar sensibility, started watching a lot of like old 70s Robert Altman and Mike Nichols. Nice. And then we started watching um, some of the newer stuff by uh, like the Danish filmmakers, and we, watched, we, we uncovered a film called The Celebration. Uh, by Thomas Vinterberg, the first Dogma. Yeah, yeah Dogma 95, right? Was that Correct. Yeah, yeah. beautiful and, film. Which, which still goes down for me as one of the best films I think ever made, at least in my top five best films I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And Catherine felt the same way. And we kind of started talking about family dramas, family mysteries, how mysteries are really interesting um, uh, genre of films that could be set in a family because families do hide so many secrets, especially long ago generations. Like I think you can anyone you meet can tell you that they discovered something about their family they never knew or relatives. And so we started playing around with the idea of writing something together, uh, combining our love of mysteries with um, you know the the rich histories of family, and then combining it with something that I'm quite fond of, which is uh, films about taboo or or seldom seen relationships uh, that are maybe a little bit envelope pushing or uh, provocative relationships that are troubling or or at least disconcerting to the average viewer. And so we said, well, in its isolation, a mystery film wouldn't be that exciting. There's been a million of those, and you know, in their isolation, you know, a movie about two cousins who have a relationship while slightly more interesting, isn't as interesting if you combine the genres together. And we'd never seen that. And part of my goal as a filmmaker has always been, because filmmaking is so hard and it takes so much time, and if you do it the right way, it just 
you know, takes over your life. I wanted to put, so, I, I always try to figure out with each project how to put something on film that I haven't ever seen before, mm-hmm. or at least in this way. So in the combination of the genres of mystery, family, mystery thriller, and uh, kind of a um, relationship drama between two people in the same family, we thought we had a combination of those things to create something we hadn't ever seen. Mm-hmm. And that's how it kind of started. And then, you know, my parents are developmental psychology professors in uh, the Northeast, and Catherine's uh, got a bunch of cousins who live in a rural part of California that, um, you know, are kind of hippies. Mm-hmm. And so we used a lot of stuff from our personal lives just to color the characters out a little bit. Me with my parents and her with her aunts and uncles uh, and cousins. Um, just to kind of start it in the city versus the countryside. And the ideas that kind of started forming for us was the idea of civilization versus the wilderness, um, a family that believes in obeying the rules and one that, um, and another one that obe- uh, believes in obeying just your most base and deepest desires. Mm-hmm. And, and then also the idea of a grudge being discovered and being almost a, fam- a family gr- grudge long buried being unearthed and passed down to the younger generation from the older generation. So these were the things we started with, and then uh, it went from there. I could bore you with the longer version. That was the short version. Trust me, you don't want the longer version. <laughs> well, it's it's a terrific version, and I, I think it sets up the, 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 the viewing the film beautifully. I I think it, it it's a nice uh, frame for, for people who are interested in seeing the automatic hate. Well, let's go, go over and talk to uh, Joseph Cross. He plays Davis Green. Um, th- this is a tough character to play, and I really admire your ability to kind of stay even-keeled in this character. Tell me a little bit about going back to just the the, the audition, rehearsals, uh did it take a while to find a balance? And maybe describe a little bit about what Davis Green is like uh, to to someone who hasn't seen the Automatic Hate. Um, well, Davis Green, Justin can probably do a better job of describing what Davis Green is like. No. Nope. <laughs> well, I think they're talking um, about the idea of you being like a, a character we have to follow who's a likable guy who does some pretty uh, dark and, and morally transgressive things. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah let me, let me when, go ahead. Go ahead. No, well, well, when you when you find Davis in the beginning of the film, he's his parents are uh, uh, psychiatrists, um, very highly educated. Uh, Davis is also very highly educated, and he's chosen to work as a chef, much to the dismay of his father. Um, his girlfriend is a ballet dancer, uh, and she according to Davis's father, is a bit um, emotional and unstable, which Davis agrees with and doesn't mind. So you you kind of see immediately that he has not a rebellious spirit, but he's he's curious in exploring the world beyond sort of the safe uh, white-collar world of his parents as he perceives it. Mm-hmm. And then when... His cousin Alexis is introduced uh, into his life. He follows her down a rabbit hole of of you know uh, 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 a world where self-restraint 
and decorum uh, are not valued in the way that uh, they are in his world. Right. Well, so, I, just, before you go any further, because I, I think Adelaide's character, I mean, the character of Adelaide, she's what I refer to in films as the free radical. You're not quite sure mm-hmm. how this mm-hmm. is going to, how this is all going to interact exactly. with all these different people. And and it provides a tremendous opportunity for a lot of possibilities in the film. And I think that that's, yep. a, that's a key. No, but, but as far as your character, I, I, I kind of skipped over the question I initially asked, which was when you went into, when you read the script, you went into audition, what were you thinking about when you were when you were trying to kind of come up with what Davis is going to be like, and and just sort of did Justin kind of help you with forming or putting together the character of Davis? Because you talked about a sort of moral kind of questioning and and open to uh, to a sense of rebellion. But what was I'm just kind of curious yeah. because this is a again I go back to what I said earlier a difficult character because we have to like him we have to want to go on this journey with him and mm-hmm. so but mm-hmm. well just going back to sort of the initial introduction I, I would i would argue you don't have to like him as much as you have to be interested well there you go yeah you want to yeah. sure either I, I, either way you I, gotta want to watch yeah i reject the idea that you have to like your main character but we can get that no no i, I i'm with you i because because <laughs> i was because thinking about this interview i actually thought <laughs> no, this was going to go. I didn't like him for part for much, for not much, but mm-hmm. some parts of the film. I didn't like him. But I, oh, to yeah. your point, to your point, I, I wanted to know where this was going to go, and and that's, that's good. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, <laughs> mm, yeah. I'd love to. I, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but I would love to maybe at, at another time hear the, the parts that you didn't like him because I'd be so curious. Well, I guess I can kind of. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, but I'd be yeah. So we'll curious get... to know. Okay, but so so putting um, the character together, what was what were you thinking when when you were about what was it that kept you within you know the sort of the character you did play? Well, I think that he's got a restlessness to him. I think he's yeah. uh, a buttoned up intellectual by nature with this uh, burning curiosity for what more is out there. What am I not getting from my life? How am I limited? And um, so like I was saying before, I think that he has this curiosity to him and uh, and then he's dragged into that world, of course. So uh, for me, well, well, the audition process, I just, you know, I, my agent sent me uh, an email with the script and sides and I went in and I auditioned for the casting director, Brad Gilmore, um, and got a call that Justin wanted to meet. We talked for a while, and then he asked me if I wanted to do the movie, and I said yes. I mean, that's the... You had auditioned already, right? I was in New York, and you had already put yourself on tape, right? Before we met. Brad had put me on tape, your casting director. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So okay. All right. So, so that <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm I not a big I'm, I'm not a big rehearser. My rehearsals tend to happen in the audition and then in meetings with them, like over coffee or over dinner. Um, I tend to get people up on their feet really uh, just when we the day we start shooting. This is if you have competent actors, which you know I think at this level I do, and I was excited about. But ever since I had actors well, that get the part, yeah. But we also, I mean, we, so Justin and I sat down to talk and we decided, you know, we would do the movie together. And then from there, 
on out until we started filming. I mean, we were pretty much connected. We, we were talking on the phone between two and three hours every day. I would spend uh, a while going over parts of the script, and I would call Justin, and we would schedule times um, to talk every day and then spend 24 hours apart and come back together. So, and this is, I think, where our uh, our, our our process really connected was that we both like to talk a lot about everything imaginable before day one and then once we get on set we don't talk we don't need to talk about anything i mean justin Mm. can come in and give me adjustments and change things you know he's seeing it in his head the way that it's going to be so he can make changes to make the to, to to make the the story unfold but we had had every conversation that we could think of <laughs> mm-hmm. that we needed to have so that once we got on set, we could just be right there in the moment. That for me is, uh, is a great way to work. Now, now, yeah. Now just going back to, to, to kind of the development of the story. Uh, and you, you mm-hmm. already talked about this idea of kind of melding this idea of this sort of the taboo with this mystery, this family drama mm-hmm. mystery. Um, mm-hmm. when you're, um, I just lost my train of thought. I apologize. Um, That's okay. Yeah. Um, so the other elements that are so important in this film, obviously, are the two brothers played by Uncle Josh is played by Ricky Jay, and mm-hmm. the doctor, Doctor Ronald Green, is played by Richard Schiff. By the way, yeah. casting mm-hmm. two very underappreciated and very very good actors these two these two men oh yeah um I, I'm so glad to see ricky jay get work i go back to the house of cards with him but way almost everything i've ever house seen of games? House i'm of sorry games. house yeah. of games my bad yeah I'm, he's God. great in that movie oh he's so great and 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 richard is again these are two excellent people uh to have in a film to be playing off of one another so in terms you have to have these two characters these are these are the blood enemies, if you will, in this film, and uh, mm. they are—they're both very believable and very, very good. And uh, and so these these two characters were paramount in the success of uh, the automatic. Oh game. yeah, I mean the, the I mean I I think you could even make an argument that the relationship between the brothers is as important as the relationship between their children, Davis and Alexis. Yeah. Uh, just because, in a way, you really you really do have to one buy their brothers. And two, you have to buy that there's something between them that just completely unresolvable, and there's a complete, there's like there's no negotiation. Just what happened is so awful between them that they're they they would hide each other's existence for thirty years, and it was really up to them to really sell that when they see each. They don't get much screen time together. They really only see each other for. I think I would say that one scene where they drive up and then yeah. that dinner, you yeah. know, they, they, if you think about how much time Rick and Richard share on screen, it's very, very little. So they have to do a lot right. with a very little amount. But when you're talking about people who can put a lot under the surface and hide and put everything in a, in a, in, in a, in, in a glance, you, you've got Ricky, the greatest living like magician, <laughs> you know, he was very good at, at the sly and subtle types of uh, yeah. tricks. And then you've got Richard Schiff, who's just, I think, pound for pound, one of, <laughs> one of, the, one of the best working around that just, you know, he pops up everywhere, 
in TV and movies, but I mean, maybe you you know him best from Toby Ziegler, but just like yeah. one of the more subtle and just such an amazing stage actor as well. He just can do so much if you just give him something to to uh, bite into, you know. Well, and I'd say that they what they share in common is they have a sort of a physical presence uh, that they seem to inhabit their roles very yeah. effectively from a sort of a physical perspective, but also. Their faces are very. Uh, Richard is very uh, subtle in the way that he uses ex- his expressions, um, and I think he did it very effectively here. And then Ricky Jay has that kind of a face—a man who has seen the world, who has really ex- suffered and. Oh you know, yeah, you so, really see Ricky's. Ricky's face is a landscape. My my yeah. cinematographer said she could do a close-up on Ricky doing nothing any day of the week she could just do it all day um yeah they're also two they're also two old new york jews so you got that going what, for them as well, well jewish intellectuals they're easily believable as brothers they're to, uh, there's no doubt that they're they're related in this film so yeah the, cast, the casting of uncle josh was really important yeah. to cast a new york intellectual who by choice is living out in the wilderness yeah. it wouldn't have been as interesting if he was like a mountain man with like four teeth and yeah. and bare feet. You wanted a guy who still does the New York Times on Sunday and is, you know, a Ivy League graduate because that shows he's part of the family. He just decided because of the, his philosophy of life, he's living where he's not going to be judged by the, the man-made laws and rules and regulations of a, of a civilized culture. Right. You know? and, and because of the trauma that he went through with the split in the family. Yeah. Sure, exactly. but also like a conscientious objector to the, to the laws of the universe that are man-made. Like the idea that he's, a, he's living in like an old outback kind of mountain man type rural surroundings, but his whole presence, I don't care what you dress Ricky Jay like, he's He's an intellectual Jewish guy from the East Coast. <laughs> anyway, you slice it. His his high his high voice. That's very smart. He's just an educated guy. You can't get that out of him. He's too smart yeah. and witty and book book uh, read. You know, well read. You know, and book learned. I guess you. Could say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> book read. <laughs> you know, sorry, book read. He's book. He's he's just too educated, yeah. seeming and sounding. That to, to but but that's a great contrast. It's. Uh, instant conflict. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you see the guy, and you hear the guy, and you're like, "This is an educated man who usually you'd find in like, you know, an upper Upper East Side uh, cafe drinking coffee and doing this doing the crossword puzzle." You know. Yeah. Upper West Side, but yeah. Upper West. <laughs> upper West. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I wanna... I, I'm not. I'm from Boston. I'm not a New. York, I'm not a Manhattan. I get my, I get my, my neighborhoods mixed up sometimes. Well, I want to remind our <laughs> listeners. Enough. I want to remind our listeners. We're speaking with Justin Lerner. He's the director of the film The Automatic Hate. He also directed a film called Girlfriend, which is also in the area of a you know, taboo subject, uh, as as mm-hmm. as is The Automatic Hate. Uh, yeah, and uh, we're speaking with Joseph Cross, uh, who plays Davis Green in this film. Uh, terrific performance uh, on on your part uh, across the board. Uniformly, you. yeah, you're welcome. For uniformly uh, amazing. We've talked about Adelaide Clemens. She is the the cousin and uh, the uh, the catalyst for a lot of things that happen in this film, uh, as well as Cassie, who plays your girlfriend Deborah Ann Wool is is her and who i mean i could go down this list and i just would say yes great job 
on the parts of everyone involved. The the uh, the cousins, the other cousins are terrific. Are they're related? Oh, the Zima Yvonne, sisters. Yeah, the Zima, Zima sister. Yeah, and there's a there's a cool there's a lot of good backstory stuff in the film. Uh, them in the bar when they, they sort of sit down with uh, Davis for the first time, and uh, they go through that mm-hmm. sort of uh, the litany or the uh, the chronology of the relationship that they shared, shall we say, the girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sort well of put. yeah, yeah. And so the there's all there's there are all kinds of things going on here uh, that really add to the. And this is to, for me the distinction of. Uh, of a good film and a and a and an excellent film is that the ability to give us clues, to give us backstory, to to be able to help us flesh out these characters without a lot of extraneous stuff going on. It's it's a very this a very mm-hmm. kind of film where I feel like I got the information I need, uh, and we moved on. <laughs> we got to mm-hmm. we got to the the to the to the heart of the story, and I just want to go back real quickly because I I don't want to belittle this, but. The behavior you were talking about, Ricky Jay, and as Uncle Josh and uh, and Richard Schiff as uh, Ronald Green, just th- that part of that what makes the what happens in the film so believable is his is just at, by the time you get to the end of the film, all of the things that were were being hinted at become and that's again I, I I'm not going to give anything away, but that gives this film a lot of uh, punch at, uh, in the film and uh, thinking about the film after you've seen it um, and reflecting Lots of on punch. I like I like your choice of words. Yeah, well, there's 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 that too, <laughs> uh, but it but it, it is all of that, and and I I just think that uh, you, that's a that's a terrific uh, uh, ability for, as a filmmaker to be able to give us a lot to think about and reflect back on, oh yeah, that's when that happened. I get now I get you know more. There's more and more. We fill in the blanks. Uh, as we move forward, uh, I, I tend to like to give audiences about sixty to seventy percent of all of the information available, and then make them fill in the other thirty to forty. Just because I feel like the, a film can live longer that way. Just it's part of preserving mystery, and it's not mystery like who done it, mystery like in the plot, but more like you know, end a scene a little bit early so we don't know exactly what happens till uh, the next the next day, or when we cut to the next day, or or leave something a little bit um, like Altman would do, like leave something a little garbled so you can't hear it all. Yeah. Um, it's really important to me, and leave, leave some stuff off screen and only allow us to hear it and not see it. I think um, far too often filmmakers try to give the audience everything, and then the movie becomes dull and kind of dead. Yeah, it becomes leaden, right? It, it weighs it down in ways it doesn't need to be. Um, sure. And... And we could talk about Altman all night. By the way, he, I think he's my favorite film director. It's it's hard for oh, me. Really? Yeah, I love him. Um, but I want to uh, Joseph Cross. I want to talk to you about now. Obviously, you worked on Lincoln, a Steven Spielberg <laughs> production, right? And we were terrific in that, <laughs> by the way. Um, oh, thank what, you. What what is the kind of a sort of a cultural shift is there when you're working? When a, in a film like that, and now you're working uh, on a on a smaller budget, shall we say, film. Um, uh-huh. You know the different sort of the what is the as, as an actor, it, do you have more time to think about the things you need to be focusing on? What is the difference between a Spielberg 
uh, production and a learner production in terms of just as an <laughs> as an actor, as someone you're you know as you, who's committed to your I craft. I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> it's uh no I you know it's it's it, 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 you're gonna think I'm being cheeky when I say this, but I think that the major difference is the food. Stephen really provides much better craft service than Justin was able to. Um, okay. <laughs> as, well as, as well as the catering, I mean, really just phenomenal on Lincoln. Uh, you know, it, it, they're they're different in a lot in in a lot of different ways. But for me, approaching the character, you know, my role in Lincoln is to support Lincoln, played by Daniel Day Lewis, who really is carrying the film on his shoulders. Right. You know, so. I'm down in Richmond, Virginia for three months and I'm working, you know, there would be entire weeks where I'd be down there where I wouldn't work and I would just be focused on yeah. uh, learning and reading and uh, more about the time period and all the different characters and bonding with the other people uh, in the film um, while while Daniel was working every single day, you know, and Stephen's working every single day. So, uh, on a smaller well, scale, with you, this, I was the one that had to work. Had to work every single yeah. day, <laughs> you know. So, did watch. It was watching. Was watching Daniel Day Lewis sort of shoulder the the load, if you will, of of a film like that. Is that something you took with you from 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 doing Lincoln? Is because you're carrying the film. I mean, well, this is for for an actor to watch. I've been I've been really lucky in that I've gotten to work with some some really excellent phenomenal actors and actresses uh and to watch you know to, to get to watch the, the the actors and the creative team on that film is absolutely life-changing in the same way that when i got to watch sean penn give his performance in milk it's life-changing you know you step on that set and it's a whole different thing you know you're elevated and you're forced to get so much better so fast or else just get run right down you know um so you know for the, the the greatest periods of growth i think for me and certainly the most some very enjoyable parts of him when i've gotten to work with people like the people i got to work with uh on lincoln because you get to learn so much i mean these are people who've been doing it for yeah. so long and are so excellent at what they do, um, that just to get, you know, I would have paid money to get to be an observer, let alone get paid to get to work in the film. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, and again, so, yeah, you yeah. now, and now you're, you are the vehicle through which we are being propelled through this story. And so obviously, uh, and you did a great job. So obviously you did, you, you, you picked up, uh, and the ball and ran with it, and I, I can I can imagine well, I can imagine you. yeah. So uh, now, what has been the reaction? Oh, by the way, I want to again remind our listeners that we're speaking with uh, Justin Lerner. He is the director of the film The Automatic Hate, and the star of the film is uh, Joseph Cross. He plays Davis Green. Um, tell me a little bit about sort of the reaction i know this premiered at south by southwest or and other film festivals it's been it's been received very well um and it's opening this friday uh, march 11th here in los angeles tell me a little bit about the reaction as you've been surprised by it you know obviously the reaction has been good but tell me what your reaction has been justin as far as uh, the automatic hate yeah um 
we had a really nice uh, little world premiere at uh, South by Southwest in which um, we had across the board pretty good reviews. Uh, we we sold to a distributor there, uh, Film Movement, who is putting us out on Friday, like you said. Um, it's been different, I think, depending on the region of the country and of the world. I'm always very... There are certain scenes that are a bit shocking in the film, and I think uh, we've had two kind of reactions, both uncomfortable, the silent shock and the this is so shocking that I have to laugh because I'm really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And both are interesting to me. And as a filmmaker who works like for years and years and years to get their stuff in front of an audience, I'm 100% satisfied with every reaction, even ones where they're like, I hated your movie and I hate you. And <laughs> I think, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I don't, yeah. I find it all fun. I find it all like, it's a privilege that, I made something that people are paying to go see in the theater projected and I'm traveling the world at these festivals and they're bringing me out and I get to like talk to one week I'm in South Korea talking to a bunch of people from there and then a couple weeks later I'm in South America talking to people that, like I don't know I just feel even if I get you know and I've been criticized I've had people like ask questions that were uncomfortable and strange or question even why make a film that you know presents such a strange relationship and blah 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 like i like it all i like it all and mm-hmm. i find myself very privileged to be one of those people i'm never going to be a person that's going to sit there and be like complaining when people don't like the film or or you know that everyone's entitled to the reaction yeah. and i tr- i go out i go out of my way to make things that are polarizing and that um everyone is going to have a strong opinion about negatively or positively. I hope obviously more positively than negatively, because that allows me to make another thing and allow people to see it. But for this movie, I've been actually pleasantly surprised that it hasn't offended a lot of people, maybe made them feel uncomfortable or shocked, but nobody's been like, man, that's just, you know, presenting a a relationship between two cousins. I mean, a lot of people have come out and said like, yeah, I used to have a crush on my cousin or, I mean, the movie's not, because, you know, the movie's not about that. That's the context. The movie's not really about, right, right. A rela- it's about so many other things. It's about family. It's about different sides of a family right. um, having a rift and, and a secret that happened years ago coming out to infect the younger generation and, you know, forgiveness and the idea of um, being able to inherit a grudge from your parents to to you and your and the and and the the descendants of those 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 people and you know it's about so many other things uh it's about whether um you can uh lie to someone you love yeah. and and about the things that are really going on in your head or it's about the ideas like the ideas in it have have been really well received and i think uh wrestled with by the people who have been watching it which has been nice and also, people really wanting to know what happens at the end. Well, what, I was what, yeah, I was going to bring yeah. that up. I, I didn't know how to, how to do it, but yeah, I, I'm I'm very curious about the ending. Uh, Struggling and people people yeah. getting really upset that yeah. I I leave them with a little bit of like, yeah. you know, yeah. I think they know they think they know what happens, but they're not a hundred percent sure. Right. Also, not knowing how things are going to end up with him and his girlfriend, considering yeah. he had like a nice little dalliance with uh yeah. with a with a girl that was not his girlfriend. The frustration there is something that I really have been, in, I've really enjoyed. I really enjoy that because the kind of films I want to go see when I'm going to movie are ones that allow a little bit 
of um, thinking later for me and mm-hmm. and spill, spill into your everyday life. And I think if you end a movie with like a dot, dot, dot rather than a period, it allows the, room, the, the film to live longer. Well, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I I like the ending. Um, and I'll talk to you off mic about what I think happened. Uh, but uh, it's a it's a wonderful film, and I should, both of you should be very proud of it. Again, it's the automatic hate, and you're right. You got film movement involved, and that's a terrific distributor. Very, very I say prestigious. It's a very well regarded distributor. It's opening here in Los Angeles at the Lemley Monica Film Center on uh, this Friday. Mm-hmm. Are you guys in town for a Q and A for this? Yeah, uh, all yeah. weekend. All weekend. Yeah, well, oh, okay. the, the entire cast will actually be there, save for maybe one or two people, okay. uh, on Friday night. And then most of the cast will probably come back again on Saturday for the, for the 5.40 and 7.20 shows. Okay. And then I think... I don't I'm, think there are any... There are no tickets left for Friday night, though, I don't think. Okay. Right. But, oh, but for, um, there, there are for the 955 show, which I think I'm going to intro at least. Okay. So I'll Great. be there for that. Yeah. 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 So, so Friday and there's night. And tickets for Saturday show. Terrific. And Joe okay. and I will be at the Saturdays to the two Saturday shows. And at least myself and at least one or two other cast members will be at both Sunday afternoon shows as well. And I should have this in front of you, but it, it in addition to being able to go to film movement, and look for uh, information on the film. Where else can, is there a website for the film? Yeah, uh, com. You can probably find all of the okay. uh, links to all, like the Lemley, there's a link to the Lemley Theater right, and right, all of that. Right. And we have a, we-, we also have a web uh, Facebook page, just if you go facebook.com backslash the automatic hate. And uh, we have a Twitter as well, which is at uh, Auto Hate Movie, like A U T O H A T E Movie. So all of those places you'll find where to get tickets. Um, and again, I'll be at most of the screenings this weekend, and whatever cast is around to hang out and uh, talk about the film. Well, yeah, it, and, it, and if it, anybody who's uh, listening. Um, comes this weekend you should come and say hi to us afterwards. Absolutely, I love the Q and A's with the uh, with the. Uh, directors, the 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 cast and the crew, because it is a unique opportunity to see a film, uh, especially one that's yeah. I mean, it's a ter- just terrific to to interact with people who have put so much of uh, themselves into a project. And uh, my hats off to you and uh, both of you for for your work. Um, looking forward to more work from both of you. Uh, so thank you again for being on Film School. Let me once again say we've been talking with Justin Lerner, the director of the film The Automatic Hate, as well as the star uh, of the film. Uh, that would be Joseph Cross, who plays Davis Green of The Automatic Hate, and they will be in town uh, on on this Friday and Saturday uh, at the Lemley... And Sunday. And Sunday at the Lemley Monica Film Center in Los Angeles, California. On that, um, Santa Monica, California, actually. Is it now? It's yeah. yeah the 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 literature reads L.A. I thought that. Well, I mean, I odd. think you could get there either way. Yeah. You just Google the Lemley. There, there yeah. you go. Same thing. There you go. All right, well, gentlemen, uh, uh, all the best to you. Well, thanks again for being on Film School. Oh, thank, thank you so you much for having us. I really appreciate it.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.